0: Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your bad shot.
1: Hello. I'm Captain Captain. Bring one of the U.S.S. Voyager. Captain Captain. Bring one of the U.S.S. Voyager. Do it. Captain Captain. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica.
0: I'm Ben Harrison.
1: Just heard a big bang from upstairs. Ooh. I'm hoping the puppy didn't knock over a vase. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't hear it through my headphones. I wonder if uh, I wonder if the mics picked it up.
1: We're big into museum putty around here, Ben. Yeah. Buy it by the barrel. <laughs> this is what they say. They say don't get into uh, an argument with someone who buys museum putty by the barrel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Do you just mash up a bunch of it and put it under all four of her paws so she <laughs> is stuck.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is how we use the putty. Yeah, it's it's not on things that wobble and fall. It's, you, you don't It's a uh, great way to just keep an eye on your pup. You don't
0: dog proof the house, you house proof the dog.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Like we stuck uh, that plastic thing that you put in power outlets. We just put that into her two nostrils and mouth. <laughs> really
0: cured the biting. Oh, that's weird. I thought that that was the uh, the thing that keeps the pizza box from sinking into the pie. Same, the same.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sounds like the banging has stopped. I think we're good. Oh, uh... <laughs> uh, who am I kidding? The banging stopped around here a long time ago.
0: Wow. I'm sen- I'm, I'm sending. Uh... Best wishes to your pup and to yeah. your wife who gets stuck <laughs> dealing with your pup when you're down in your office recording with me.
1: Real talk. Yeah. She is the real MVP of Greatest Gen over the last several months. The wives don't get enough credit. Yeah, They keep yeah. this thing going more than anyone.
0: It's really true. We appreciate the people that set up memberships, and we appreciate the people that are getting ready to in the upcoming Max Fun Drive. But, uh, but the wives, come on,
1: support the show for the wives. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear it for the wives. That's going to be the message of this year's Max Fun Drive. <laughs> That's the theme. Going to de-emphasize us. Uh huh. Make it more about them.
0: There are two capable, career-oriented, beautiful, intelligent. Funny women who have to live with us.
1: (laughs) Who really needs your support when you think about it? (laughs) Us or them?
0: Adam, uh, we've got some uh, packages of cards in front of us. We opened some, but we didn't do a war, I feel like, the last time we opened these Voyager packs, right?
1: Yeah, because it was our first time opening them. I think we just needed to get used to uh, their format.
0: I'm curious, because we both found Chakotay... Uh, <laughs> temporary tattoos right highly problematic temporary tattoos uh, <laughs> in these packs is that the only tattoo did they all come with a Chicote tat?
1: I only found its scale a problem for me Ben everything else about the Chicote tattoo yeah. 100% okay it's definitely sized for a, a child's head <laughs> <laughs> hold still Timmy <laughs> I'm going to appropriate you. <laughs> <laughs> the kids at school will love this.
0: <laughs> We're at war. There's been no formal declaration
1: of war. Maybe this trick, you bring us some luck. That nonsense is centuries behind us. War! we going to war!
0: So I got two packs here. These have different labels on them. One has Janeway, Paris, and Chakotay, and the other has mm-hmm. Kim, BLT, and Tuvok. It's red shirts versus yellow shirts. Which do you think I should open?
1: I have opened the yellow shirt version Oh, okay. that well, you described. I'll open the red
0: shirts then, and we'll see if there's any difference between the packs.
1: All right. It says
0: all cards
1: randomly packed. Hey, guess what? If three of the eight cards in your pack... It's like a fucking mail-in offer. It doesn't count. (laughs) Those don't count Stop it with this, Skybox. All right.
0: You ready to flip some cards, Adam? These are a little bit more subjective because unlike the collectible card game cards, no stats printed on these. But uh, I think we can figure out who wins based on what, right?
1: Think so. Let's hit it.
0: All right. Three, two, one.
1: My card is weird as hell. Oh, yeah? I got card number one in the series when I flip Whoa. it over, but I'm going to show the camera and the viewers at home what this looks like. It doesn't have any description on the front. It's just oh yeah, two shots of the very first episode of Star Trek Voyager. It's Caretaker part one.
0: That looks like puzzle card. It's got like a line that goes off the edge that makes me think it connects to something.
1: Good eye. Yeah, this has got to be part of a larger image. So, So that's my card. What did you get?
0: Uh, also, an image from episode one, this is, uh, it just says Strange New Worlds on the, the bottom of the card, and it is an image of the desert uh, where the Kazon are hanging out in that, early in the first episode.
1: How weird is it that we both got first episode cards?
0: What do we think? Who wins this? Is Is it a, is it a draw because it's both first episode, or...
1: I gotta say, I think your card is just a lot cooler, just in looking at it. My card is very uninteresting, because it's just mostly space.
0: Yeah, yours doesn't have a lot of imagery on it. I like the matte painting of the Kazon desert desert
1: planet, too. I think that's our winner. Okay, thank you. Let's flip over another card. Okay, three, two, one. Uh, (laughs) There is no way you're going to beat me, Ben. Because I have Tuvok shooting a wide-angle phaser on the bridge (laughs) from the episode Cathexis. Oh, man. (laughs)
0: Wait, is that Tuvok or Vorik shooting that?
1: Well, this is Tuvok. This is the very end.
0: Okay. Lightguard is an image of full Klingon BLT. Remember the episode where she's the human half and the Klingon half are disentangled with a grody Vidian hand stroking her
1: cheek. Oh, that is so gnarly. (laughs) It's so nasty. Just for shock value, I feel like that might be the winner. I thought mine was more badass.
0: Yours is more badass. Mine is more repellent.
1: (laughs) I think that means a lot in card war. I think you're. I think that's like the chemical warfare equivalent of card war right there.
0: <laughs> that was a huge head to head. Should we do a couple more flips? Yeah. flip overs. Let's do uh, it. Three, two, one. Ooh, this also feels like a puzzle piece card. I have again full Klingon BLT, and then I have those kind of shitty ex-Makwis crew members getting trained by Tuvok, Uh also kind of framed up in a way that makes me think that this is part of the puzzle. Card six, I guess.
1: I have a special card, and it is a technology card, is how it's branded itself. Okay. Evidently, this is one in a series about 24th century technology. This Mm. one is for Cenotaph, and this is a device that the uh, Venori used. To terminate a person's life function. So this is a suicide machine piece of technology.
0: It's the thing that sent Harry to the other dimension and then yeah. somebody came back through. <laughs> she was supposed to be dead.
1: Harry was sent to the next emanation.
0: Right, or the previous emanation.
1: The reality was it transported the dead body to an asteroid belt in the Delta Quadrant.
0: Well, I think uh, yours being a killing device... And mine being barely anything means you win this round.
1: I think uh, that's what we're learning here. Pulling a puzzle card really puts you at a disadvantage in card war.
0: Yeah, can really fuck your shit up.
1: Three, two, one.
0: Got another strange new world. It's the matte painting, I think, of the underground area that the Ocampa live in. Oh, yeah. Matte painting from episode one, I guess. Ocampo underground.
1: My card has a hair let out of her bun, Captain Janeway.
0: Oh, wow. Damn. Looking good, Cap.
1: I know, right? Uh, This is Eye of the Needle, episode 107. Of course, you remember this one being about the spatial anomaly that Mm. may be a wormhole.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was like a narrow-ass wormhole.
1: That's right. Its opening wasn't big enough for the ship, Mm -hmm. so they, they would, like, shoot... A little blah through it. Right. You remember?
0: You would have thought that that would be a Q episode. Right. It didn't work. He's, he's used to f- encountering openings that are too narrow for <laughs> him.
1: I didn't make that up. That's That's all over the internet. Yeah, it's a real thing. For our friends of DeSoto to find. Did people think that you made that up? I don't know. If they did, they should know better. <laughs> I'm not talking about actor dick out of school. I'm going to call
0: that a win by you because it's something and not just a picture.
1: That's all it takes.
0: Let's flip one last card over. We'll see where this thing lands. Best of five. What do you say?
1: Perfect. Three,
0: two, one. I have a card in the Star Trek Voyager Trivia Contest Series Inside the massive living organism the USS Voyager crew mistook for a nebula, its defense system sent USS Voyager into a steep dive even further into the creature. How did they stop their descent? Was it A, vent deuterium into space, shutting down the thrusters, B, reroute main power to impulse, or C, spread warp particles around the wound? They don't include the answer on the card because this is one of those ones that you're supposed to send your fucking answer into Skybox and, you know... This happened last time. 1998, they'll tell you who won.
1: Well, whenever you don't know the answer to a multiple-choice question, you're always told to choose C, right? Yeah. and I think think uh, that's going to be my choice here.
0: The only way we can shut down all thrusters is to vent their deuterium into space. Do it! What was your
1: card? In a strange coincidence, Ben, my card is the episode card for Emanations. Oh, weird. Which is related to the 24th Century Tech card that I played earlier. Yeah. It's weird. All of the cards in this pack come from early series episodes. Yeah, same for Like, me. none of them were spoilers for me. Yeah. It seems like uh, the chances wouldn't be good that that would happen.
0: I also think, like, three of the eight cards in this pack relate to Caretaker. <laughs> like...
1: You can't make cards like this until you have enough series to make them about, right? Like, I wonder when they started making them. Like, could it be that they started making these cards after season one? They're like 15
0: episodes into season one and they're like, we got
1: to make some cards. I think this show's going places. <laughs>
0: Well, again, you have a card that is something and not nothing, so I think you win that. And I guess that means you won the whole war.
1: God, that's what it takes, huh?
0: I had you on the ropes at the beginning there, winning the first two.
1: I really expected these cards to be better. Yeah. What happened to the Star Trek cards? These, these are not good. The, Maybe the we should rich... look for better Star Trek cards. Yeah, if you I don't love... want to be ungrateful to uh, the friend of DeSoto who sent us these cards. Because we I... definitely needed Voyager cards. I bought them off eBay. Oh, you bought them? Yeah. These cards fucking suck, Ben.
0: <laughs> fucked up. Hey, <laughs> I would definitely like to get a suggestion from a friend of DeSoto. If somebody knows of a good series of Voyager cards out there that we could get a hold of, or has some that they want to send in, send them in. That'd be great. We had a temporary moratorium on sending in more cards, but uh, we'll lift it in the case of good Voyager cards.
1: Agreed. Yeah. I'm into it.
0: All right, Adam, are you into getting into today's
1: episode? We're not just here to do card war?
0: No. We've got to talk about Star Trek Voyager Season 3, Episode 21, before and after. Rebirth course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes, I'm not turning it around.
1: This one begins as the POV of a patient in Six Bay. Not really sure what's happening here.
0: It's all black, too, right? It's like not even, we we don't even get to see the POV.
1: It's me in a Six Bay bed, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. (laughs) There's some crew people that I don't recognize. The doc has hair.
0: (laughs) It's also a bio bed that is facing the wrong way. Like, I feel like any time you see a wide shot of this bed in this part of Six Bay, their head is toward the back of the room.
1: That is a great call.
0: But when, yeah, when you see it's, uh, you're facing, you're facing the way the camera always faces, which leads me to believe that the Six Bay is not a 360 degree set. There's a, there's an open wall somewhere.
1: Maybe the most unusual part about this scene is how kindly the doc is speaking to me <laughs> slash the camera.
0: Yeah, he seems uh, he seems like a nice guy. Maybe the hair, maybe maybe getting the hair plugs really kind of like put a put some pep in his step. Maybe that's
1: all it takes.
0: <laughs> Worked for Joe Biden.
1: We flash out of this POV to outside POV perspective yeah. to a boy bringing a wrapped present. To Grandma Kess, huh? They went into the makeup department and pulled the old Pulaski bag out. <laughs> shot it with a with some air duster. Yeah. And uh, pulled it over uh, Jennifer Lean's head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I was impressed with the old lady makeup. I was also really impressed with the wrapping job that this kid did on this present. Oh, you're a rapper. Oh, okay. You got a record contract? Because it's it's a trapezoidal shape, yeah. and that feels like a very high degree of difficulty for uh, for doing wrapping paper.
1: This is the most science fiction part of the episode. Clearly, <laughs> is is a preteen. Doing a a, a professional, (laughs) like,
0: like Macy's checkout counter level wrapping job.
1: (laughs) Also, it is so hard to find and give a gift to anyone now. I feel like as I get older, like, it's getting harder and harder to do. In the 24th century, Mm. (laughs) what do you get for grandma? (laughs) There are a thousand things that make that prospect difficult.
0: I mean, in a replicator world, grandma doesn't need anything. And so I think everything is macaroni picture frame.
1: (laughs) It's just back rub coupon book. (laughs) He
0: he made a trapezoidal back rub (laughs) coupon book. (laughs) The scientists said it was impossible.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's what makes cake the only gift, right? Food is gift in the 24th century.
0: Unless it's Neelix, and then in which case it doesn't count.
1: So we got old Pulaski into theme, <laughs> and on the back side of the theme, we learned that this kid is Andrew. This is Grandma Kess's grandson. Yeah. And the more you see Grandma Kess and the doctor together, the more I appreciated how much better the doc's hairline is than Grandma Kess. <laughs> <laughs> His hairpiece looks amazing.
0: Yeah, it does. It looks really good. More! You know, if I didn't know, I wouldn't know. Exactly. And that's the the mark of a good hairpiece.
1: Grandma Kess is just downright confused by the doctor's hairline here.
0: Yeah. Dr. Van Gogh, Andrew calls him. Yeah. And uh, she is doing like old lady disoriented pretty effectively.
1: You know, while she's disoriented, this would have been a great opportunity for her to really tear into the doctor's choice of names here. (laughs) I don't remember who I am or who any of these people are, but also really like more like Dr. Van, don't name yourself after someone famous from history. (laughs) Give me a break, doc. And then, like, her attitude could be written off as just dementia. Have,
0: have you knew, learned nothing about, like, the dangers of cults of personality? <laughs> also, yeah. famous from history for being mentally ill? Like, is that what you want to name yourself when you're the only physician aboard the ship?
1: I don't like it. Bad name. <laughs>
0: it's all very confusing. We don't know why we're here. We don't know why she's old. We don't know why he has hair. We don't know who this kid is.
1: Now the kid scrams and runs into Captain Chicote. What? Who is briefed by the doc about Kes' condition. Kes is now nine, which seems pretty old for an Okapun.
0: Yeah. That one guy that we met that was 12, everybody was shocked. Yeah. So Chicote seems to be living his nightmare. And maybe this, <laughs> maybe this is all happening in Chicote's head? Yeah. I was ready to believe that. <laughs> Did you maybe think that this kid was related
1: to Jacote based on their interaction initially? Kind of, yeah. I mean, that was hard to figure out at this point.
0: Yeah. So the interaction uh, is confusing and weird and doesn't last long because she wakes up
1: again. Grandma's cold again. <laughs> and then she flashes into her quarters.
0: Yeah. She wakes up in bed. It's dark. She's disoriented. She's no longer in medical scrubs. And uh, she walks out. This same kid and the same lady from when she first woke up are there. She's got a picture of herself as a younger woman holding a baby but not smiling. Like an <laughs> like accidental renaissance Madonna and child situation.
1: You know, like... Children have to get passport photos sometimes. (laughs) And I wonder if, like, this is one of those situations where, like, galactic passport photo was the intent here.
0: (laughs) She does not understand what is going on. And when she walks out to greet Andrew and Linus, they're not much help. I was kind of ready for old Grandma Kess to just be totally horrified by Linus's ears in this scene. Linus has nightmare ears.
1: Yeah. Do not like them. You're confused right now, and I'm sure that's very frightening. I don't like them at all. No, they're bad. I don't like seeing them. (laughs) I mean, it's enough to make you want to, like, if you're Cass, maybe stop the family line here. Just Mm -hmm. maybe not having kids is a viable alternative to having them if you're Cass.
0: Any chance I could maybe get Neelix's ship and go back to a part of space where there's some Ocampans and like only reproduce with them to avoid this ear situation?
1: I think something happened on their way out of the sack.
0: (laughs) If a human reproduces with an Ocampan, does their baby live like 30 years?
1: Great question.
0: Or does their baby just live like an Ocampan lifespan? Is it like reversion to the mean or is it like lowest common denominator
1: well how long do humans live in the 24th century if we're cutting it in half
0: maybe in star trek Colin picard he's supposed to be over 100 years old right
1: right i have had enough of your stupid patronizing this is one of those scenes where like doddering old enters the scene and daughter and grandson seem to understand that there's a medical condition presenting itself here but they are not doing a whole lot to help the situation like it's strange right like my granddad had dementia before he died and so seeing a person in Kess's condition being not treated the way that i would expect her to be was more of a shock to me than anything else right they're kind of putting up with it
0: Some mention gets made of the word morologium, which uh, sounds a little bit like elogium, which we have encountered before, Mm -hmm. but they don't really go into it. And I think that also what's upsetting about this scene is that like we haven't jumped enough times yet to know what's going on. So it just seems like old lady who woke up disoriented later. And it's not, you don't realize that she's old lady that woke up disoriented earlier.
1: Yeah, it's funny how, like, the truth cuts against the emotional power that this, a scene like this should have, right?
0: Yeah. They take her to Six Bay, and her
1: husband comes in, Commander Tom Paris. Who, <laughs> in spite of Grandma Kess's failing health, hasn't shown up until now. Yeah, I thought this was amazing like hey Tom Paris it's okay to take time off work while your wife is dealing with a <laughs> with a serious medical condition am I making any sense here as far as I know the ship has an autopilot
0: <laughs> there are other people that can take the con
1: yeah and Linus and Paris argue about Grandma Kess's care like yeah. openly yeah and Kim calls Linus sweetheart because I guess Kim and Linus are Andrew's parents
0: well yeah so Harry married Tom's daughter. Yikes, and had a baby with her. And what's going on here seems pretty pervy, doesn't it?
1: And Linus Linus is like two years old the way <laughs> Kess was when she first got on the show. What the fuck? <laughs> I thought we were past this.
0: <laughs> did the did the show really need to hang a lantern on this issue again? <laughs>
1: I could have watched an entire episode about how awkward it must have been for Kim to try to make it okay that he was dating <laughs> Paris' daughter. <laughs> Give me a three episode arc about that.
0: A 10 episode arc. An entire season of discovery about this. Kim couldn't
1: even date a hollow babe. <laughs> how does he make this happen? <laughs> something about it reminds me of being in the womb What up harry who are you harry kim parents must be very proud who are you they come as come as a pair who are you harry kim Kim. who else is she supposed to get chummy with harry kim and your mom very proud who are you harry kim chummy chummy Chummy. and your mom very proud harry kim who are you harry kim
0: he's raising a, a fucking brat
1: I mean, he's not that much of a brat. He can wrap the hell out of a present.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Everybody's got their strengths and weaknesses, I guess. But uh, Kes gets really cold and Flash again, and we're at a birthday party for Kes. It's her ninth birthday. So now we know we're going back in time. Right. Neelix is uh, is in a Starfleet uniform. He's been, I don't know, given a field commission or something.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a security officer now.
0: Yeah, he's he's come out of cooking retirement to bake this cake.
1: Right, but Neelix still isn't over the breakup because this is clearly a revenge fondant cake <laughs> that he's serving to Cass <laughs> on her birthday. Yeah,
0: yeah, fondant
1: always always photographs well. It's filled with fudge, so it might be worth the trouble. I hard disagree there, man. <laughs> You can just peel the fun in a way you don't have to eat it. Except for fudge is also gross.
0: Oh, <laughs> it's, like a, it's like putting a gross thing inside a gross thing.
1: Some of your food opinions are just so unnecessarily dumb. Just keep them to yourself when they're that dumb. You don't like fudge? Give me a break.
0: I'm going to take you on Judge John Hodgman, and he's going to side with me, because I know for a fact that Hodgman also thinks fudge is gross.
1: He'll have to recuse himself from the decision <laughs> if that's the case. The one time we go on Judge John Hodgman, he won't even be on the episode. (laughs) And I'm sure he'll appreciate that.
0: Mm, I don't think that you can find somebody that rises to the level of of working as a judge that thinks that fudge isn't gross. I just think that Mm. if you're that smart and you're that wise, you understand. But
1: what are you waiting for?
0: Blow out the candles.
1: Grandma Kess is wearing a sweater made out of a cocoa floor mat that you'd find (laughs) in a 70s Volkswagen Beetle. (laughs) <laughs> you know what those look like yeah they're basically baskets that have been flattened into a floor mat
0: right you know she's she's advanced in years and has kind of gotten out of the catsuit phase of her her life at
1: this point do olds just want to wear itchy clothing is that why you see them in itchy clothing all the time well, maybe it's alpaca wool and therefore very <laughs> soft a hair shirt is a hair shirt man <laughs>
0: That's not what a hair shirt is. They
1: look exactly the same to me.
0: Mm. I mean, if the fibers are really long, it won't be that itchy.
1: Your opinions are so insane. Benjamin R. Harrison does not like fudge, but enjoys itchy hair shirts. I like a soft wool. Not me. Get that out of here. Give me a technical garment. (laughs) Give me a man-made material.
0: (laughs) Spoken like a true Seattleite.
1: (laughs) Grandma Cass peels away from... uh, from the cake part of the party with Andrew.
0: Yeah. This is the first thing she did that I really understood. Get me away from that nasty cake. (laughs)
1: She's like, Andrew, you got to answer a couple of questions for me, starting with, (laughs) how on earth did you wrap that present? (laughs) I have no idea how you even do that. Yeah. Also, what did you get me? Because I asked for nothing. Yeah. I don't need anything. What even comes in a shape like that? Is that one of those massage coupon books? <laughs> I think it'll be worth the wait.
0: Do the coupons get slightly bigger over time? As you, is it like a massage a day calendar with like six <laughs> years worth of coupons? Sounds great.
1: Dr. Van Gogh has uh, a gift even better than a massage coupon book. It is a biotemporal chamber. This is his idea mm. for solving the temporal problem that she has described to him.
0: He's fucking shook when she brings this up because he's like, I invented that in my brain this morning and I haven't even told anybody about it. And she's like, yeah, well, I heard you talking about
1: it. So what else do you know about things that are in my brain that I haven't articulated?
0: I kind of thought that there could have been an interesting moment in this episode where they think that there's something wrong with the doctor for a little while. Because he's had plenty of problems with his program and that could have been a thing. But yeah, everybody is focused on, okay, so Kess may actually have something going on with her. And let's let's start getting to work. And this is the first time we cut to an exterior of the ship in the episode since the beginning. And it's an interesting moment because it feels like every time she's jumped up until now, she's had minutes or right. a day maybe between jumps. And this kind of really indicates a passage of time that hasn't been in, uh, indicated previously.
1: This is an amount of time that the doctor uses to build the temporal lung. Yeah. In Six Bay, Grandma Cass explains that she has diagnosed herself as temporal divergent, and she thinks she's moving backwards in time. But the doc thinks that she may be clairvoyant instead, and I really like this argument.
0: Yeah, maybe she's just a precog.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. It's like two words meaning the same thing.
0: Right, right, yeah. He's like, you know she can freshen you up why couldn't she uh, look into the future also
1: <laughs> exactly later on in kess's quarters like part of what she's doing is is research on herself she's looking through her, her records and her files and stuff she wants to
0: figure out where the divergence started
1: and when paris comes in he's a little shook by seeing all of these materials out mm-hmm. making very certain that none of them are the tax documents <laughs> That she would be likely to find uh, were they to be living together, which they are. What iPads
0: are those specifically?
1: (laughs) (laughs) He reminds her of how cringy it was when she was dating Neelix, which I thought was a fun moment.
0: Right. And he also talks about uh, how they got
1: together after the year of hell. He's like, look, we've had a lot of awkward moments together. Miriam interactions that could be construed as weird or creepy, but... Kim asking us for permission to date our daughter is, like, that just takes the cake, right? (laughs) Nothing we could be going through could be more awkward than that.
0: So that is why we decided as a ship to call that the year of hell.
1: (laughs) The many attempts that Kim made to ask us to date our daughter, known retroactively as the year of hell. Yes, I remember.
0: (laughs) But when BLT died in uh, in that attack... I was really sad about it. I was uh, pretty bent out of shape. And Kess really got him through the grief of losing BLT. And that was uh, a chronoton torpedo attack from a species called the Crenum during the year of hell. And uh, everybody makes eye contact with the, with the camera at this point.
1: I mean, BLT died in that attack, but so did the captain. Yeah. And not to bury the lead... Joe Carey died. The Joe Carey? I know. Fuck. I mean, they're really running out of torpedo casings. <laughs> from the sound of it. I mean, eventually I think you need, just need to switch to bags, right?
0: Yeah, like they
1: pack a lot more
0: compactly, you know?
1: But with Trash Tidy, it dispenses a new bag right there. It makes it so much easier. I would have assumed that Paris's capacity for love, also a casualty. Yeah, in that fight, but no. Kes was there Yeah, to nurse his heart back to health.
0: Not the only reason he was sucking on that titty. They also <laughs> fell in love. Coffee black. Make it yourself.
1: I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Paris tells us how Chronoton torpedoes work. They work how you think they would. <laughs> With a name like that, you kind of get <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> Time travel. Have you watched Star Trek before? All right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> No further discussion necessary. On the walk to Six Bay uh, to tell the doctor about their theory having to do with these torpedoes, Cass gets cold again, yeah. and uh, out of this time, she flashes.
0: If my wife flashed in time every time she got chilly, oh boy, I would have lost touch with her years ago. I wouldn't have known her after the first day. <laughs> I mean, every time uh, I enter a room, I, I notice that she gets the shivers.
1: You do have that effect on a room.
0: On this new flash, we lose all the loaf on Cass. No, no, uh, they're, they're not going for subtle differences in the aging
1: yeah. here. This had to feel better if you're Jennifer Lean, right? But it's long hair,
0: Cass. Right. That was six months worth of loaf right there. They said that this is six months previous in time.
1: That's what's so interesting about the Okapa aging, right? It's like exponential. You, they they age very quickly in the beginning, and yeah. then they kind of plateau, but at the end, it
0: falls off a fucking cliff.
1: Once the burlap sack comes out, <laughs> it's over. It's over in a hurry. Yeah. Quarantine of the Darwin Station must be maintained forever
0: they take an iphone photo this is like kind of a funny moment like the taking a picture of someone on your phone and then showing it to them immediately like yeah star trek totally invented that
1: (laughs) also hey do you want me to take another one Cass? it doesn't look like you're smiling here
0: yeah or should we just print this one weird okay (laughs) (laughs) you happy with that facial expression
1: Cass is able to do that thing where she acts as if she belongs for just a moment yeah. before the mood changes and she asks Paris to take her to see the dock immediately
0: she's, she's getting better and better at like catching everyone up this is a, a a bit of a script problem that Star Trek encounters from time to time like if somebody is jumping around in time or dimensions how do they explain to everyone else what's going on to them and do it in a way that's not repetitive and boring for the viewers Right, And uh, she's gotten much better at this. And now in Six Bay, they are finding that she does, in fact, have a phase variance, W slash R slash T, her chronotons.
1: Do you think her age makes her a more credible patient in this moment? Because she's, she's able to articulate what's happening to her better than she previously was.
0: And people aren't going like she's not an addled old woman that doesn't know where she is or what's going on.
1: I definitely thought that, that that was baked in here.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, the episode implies that, but does not interrogate it at all.
1: <laughs> no. And, I mean, part of it is the dot confirms Kes's suspicion, and that that's something we haven't had up until now.
0: Right. Yeah. We finally have some, some readings that can corroborate what she's saying, and that's good enough to convene a McLaughlin group. Issue one! And pretty much the entire senior staff you know, are alive in this timeline are brought together to talk about this situation. And um, what led her to this point? She's being pretty fast and loose, like, telling them what happens in the future, which I thought was interesting. Like, I think in a lot of Star Trek contexts and, and like, the going back to 1996 in this series, like, they've been extremely careful about not revealing what's yeah. what's coming up, but... She's not sweating that.
1: Not at all. This is a scene that is focused pretty squarely on the doctor to the exclusion of everyone else, which I thought was interesting, too. Like, if you're playing who's the most interesting person at the meeting, <laughs> I would have bet it would be Cass, but it's not. The doc is running this thing and blaming yeah. his own brilliant invention for the reason that Cass has become unstuck in time. Yeah. She's been poisoned by the chronotons. The
0: The biotemporal chamber... When, when, they, when he designed that, he didn't know that she was riddled with chronitons. And so the biotemporal chamber interacted with her system in a way that was a surprise.
1: In a highly experimental, but nonetheless brilliant attempt to stop her aging process. The danger is revealed here in that if Kes keeps jumping backwards, eventually she's going to jump backwards to a time that she doesn't exist. And then what? <laughs> what happens then? <laughs> No one knows, but I want to find out. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. In order to suck the poison out of Kes's body, they need more information on the torpedo that causes the radiation. Yeah. So this is an unresolved problem.
0: So they're going to try and, like, put a field around her and prevent her next jump. They've noticed that she gets chilly every time she jumps, so that's also a thing.
1: What we've got is the doctor's medical afghan here, <laughs> all ready to go, which is certainly going to stop these jumps. Mm-hmm.
0: You can curl up in this bed with the doctor's medical pups. Uh-huh. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll keep
1: you warm. In sickbay, there is a really interesting scene next that really stuck out to me. The moment where Linus confides in Kess that she may be having some postpartum depression issues. Yeah. And Kess using her knowledge of the future to disabuse those feelings.
0: Because that baby was Andrew and Linus does not have the same connection with Andrew that Harry Kim does.
1: Linus is like, I'm afraid Andrew's going to be like Marty McFly in Back to the Future 2. And Kes <laughs> is like, no way. Definitely going to turn into Marty McFly from Back to the Future 1
0: worst case scenario, Marty McFly from Back to the Future 3, but let's try to maintain some optimism here.
1: Let's hope he's a little more popular than that. (laughs) This is a hard cut to do because Kes walks out of Six Bay and then we cut to later in Six Bay. Right. And usually there's an interstitial or something in between a cut like that. Yeah. Not the case.
0: It's using a cut that would normally feel jumpy and disorienting to kind of further how weird this story is though and Paris is here and this is where she begins to jump again and this is like the first time we kind of get to see what the jump looks like from the perspective of other people Mm -hmm. and she's like disappearing and the doc is trying to like inject her with something to to warm her up (laughs) and like Paris is reaching his hands out to try and hold on to her but she's like phasing out of existence
1: she's like inside some kind of time brig yeah (laughs) that we don't quite understand yeah hey this is as good a time as any to ask this question do you believe their love
0: maybe i do in a weird way but like when he comes in like it's the partner that is like having a weird time relating to their sick partner energy and i don't know if that was intentional or not but it, it wasn't like a He wasn't, like, uh, falling all over himself to get physical with her or anything.
1: It seems like a very writerly thing to use memories of past events as grounding materials for someone else's sanity in a sci-fi show or a way to help us as the viewer understand the intimacy between two people. Because this might be one of those things where I don't talk like this in my relationship, I remember and love all of the fun adventures that me and my wife have been on, Mm -hmm. but I've never used those memories as a soothing thing. Right. Have you? Is that a a thing that people do? Like I would never think to when my wife is feeling bad, go like, you remember that time we took that trip and how I was sick the whole time (laughs) (laughs) or whatever, like- (laughs) Maybe
0: we should. Maybe what this episode is telling us is that we we could be doing better.
1: (laughs) This episode has taught me that I'm a bad husband.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, she flashes despite all of their attempts to prevent that, and uh, Mm -hmm. she flashes back to giving birth to Linus. Uh, We don't see the reproductive sack, but it is implied by Tom Paris pulling a gooey baby out of her back. Yeah. And this is a year of hell baby this is uh, she's giving birth in media hell
1: do you think for the OkCopan when they like go to a fancy party or whatever there's like a plunging backline situation mm. that mm. is like extremely suggestive <laughs> for for what's going on back there. <laughs>
0: Did you catch Kess? she was sure showing a lot of back sack.
1: <laughs> Boy when Kess got out of the limo back first, did she even Ooh. know what she was flashing?
0: Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com, promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings they send in uh, crochet work it's so cool and uh i want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters i want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves and you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use squarespace it'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
1: Just one more week till Max Fun Drive.
0: <laughs> Hard to believe. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly, incredibly fascinating.
1: Find us by searching for the word
0: secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I've got
1: to get that. What now? Are you selling a heist? Gold. A Subaru Brat-style shuttle. Inexpensive and built to stay that way. Is no place to birth a child, clearly. Yeah. Also... We need to talk, Cass, is about when your relationship is on the line and for no other subject. (laughs) She says we need to talk as an introduction to the time jumping conversation, which is less threatening to me as a person in a relationship.
0: I want want my wife to tell me if she's jumping around in time. I don't want her to tell me if it is preceded by we need to talk. We need to
1: talk is for one thing only. (laughs) It's the scariest three words in the English language. Yeah, we need to talk. Is the scariest three words in the Four, English language? Four. Fuck. God damn it! That's how scary those words are. God, you lose the ability to count them. My mind collapses. <laughs>
0: so, a very exciting shot of the shuttle returning to Voyager, like mid-firefight. And, like, the hallway is all all fucked up and full of garbage. Neil seems to be the kind of security officer that helps people get off their shuttle when they land back on Voyager. <laughs> <laughs> Not up at the horseshoe firing the phasers.
1: This is yeah. his morale officer training taking over. Yeah, he's I there to like, greet.
0: Yeah, he's, like, complimenting their, uh, their lavender-colored waffle-knit towel that they've swaddled their baby in.
1: I like the location choice as an emphasis on how bad things are, right? Like, when the mess hall is a battlefield hospital, you know shit is bad on the ship.
0: You don't want to get uh, stitched back up in a room that has ladles in it, you know?
1: Right. And when Kes tells Chakotay about what she's going through, Chakotay is very understandably like, Nothing on this ship works. Your situation seems very important, but we don't have air on yeah. most of the decks on the ship. So
0: You don't just get whatever crazy medical intervention you want in the year of hell.
1: And Kess is like, but Chakotay, we need to talk. And this stops Chakotay cold. <laughs> because this has Seska flashbacks mm-hmm. written all over it. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Did you see the tattoo on the baby Chicote? <laughs>
1: Kess gets cold again.
0: Yeah. And uh, she's she wakes up in the uh in the tiki lounge, sideschlong there. Everybody's there.
1: The eye just finds the sideshlong. Every time. BLT is even there. She's kissing on Tom. This is a shocking moment. Yeah. What the hell? I mean, I like it. Yeah. But yeah, I'm shocked to see this. They're a cuter couple than, than Tom and Cass. <laughs> is something wrong? It's true. We don't get much time to think about this and how fun it is. Yeah, Because this is the moment that the Voyager is under attack by the Krenim, And so everyone gets called back to the bridge. I would love it if Sideschlong guy were a crew person and we just didn't know it.
0: And <laughs> you, this is his you choice. S- you see him like sitting on a yeah. bench pulling his uniform. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs>
1: I am so ready for that reveal. <laughs>
0: Not a hollow character. Just yeah. a man.
1: Just a normal human man who likes to party. <laughs>
0: So Kes is over in a station on the bridge where BLT and the captain are working on this problem of the fact that they're getting hit with chronoton torpedoes and they get another huge banger dropped on them and this kills both BLT and the captain to see their deaths. In, in one fell boom, they get taken out.
1: It's incredible to think that that one shot could take them both out. You only get one shot. Great shot, Krennum. Yeah. That's value for the torpedo.
0: They don't have a lot of time to grieve, though, because they are still under attack. And Captain Chakotay is like, hey, little help would be great. And Kes has some ideas. She's like, hey, I actually can think of something that might help, which is that... uh, remodulating the targeting scanners or something. The only way we can shut down all thrusters is to vent their deuterium into space. Do it. Something, something, something. Destroy the torpedo launcher before they fire. And this works great.
1: Beltran's line read of fire is so great. Fire! Yeah. It's one of my favorite things I've ever heard him say on this show. The way he says it, I thought was a great choice. Yeah. It favorably
0: compares to Frakes' line read. Mr. Worf.
1: Fire. And to Kirk. Fire. Yeah. Kirk is one of the great fire pronouncers in all of Star Trek. (laughs) He really luxuriates in that word. Yeah. But Beltran's line, I think, belongs in the conversation as great utterances of the word fire. Fire.
0: RSVP the Krenum.
1: Yeah, blows the nose right off of this ship. I thought maybe the rest of the ship survived because they cut away from it so fast.
0: And uh, Cass goes down to, I guess, help in the six bay that they've turned the mess hall into. Yeah. But also just hang out with Tom. These scenes were so dark.
1: I think Chakotay's in the mess hall to get pipped. (laughs) Or does he have to wait like Cass
0: has to wait? He's just using that replicator... Get rid of that Mayquise pip situation.
1: You don't want to pip too fast after your captain dies, I think. Mm-hmm. You definitely want to wait till the funeral. And then you pip, right?
0: Do you think that they have a funeral service and the last thing is that the commander takes the one of the pips off the captain and puts it on his own collar? <laughs>
1: That feels like body desecration to me. <laughs> like, I think when you die a captain, you want to go into the torpedo with all your pips, right? With all the pips, yeah. I like the moment you're suggesting, though. I think mm-hmm. that's fun. Mm-hmm.
0: They learn that there is one of these torpedoes like wedged in the ship at this point, and Kess goes on a Jeffrey's tube crawl to go find it. And uh where is Cork when you need him? Because... Uh, it's it's the same problem. The, the torpedoes just like in the ship throbbing.
1: I thought this was a scene of Cass wanting to die because <laughs> the last scene ends with Cass asking Paris how he's doing. Yeah. Which is a great question to ask 15 minutes after their partner dies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In
1: a totally awful way on the bridge. Hey, why don't you give it some time? Cass. <laughs> And rather than cringe to death at, at what she's done, she <laughs> heads after this torpedo. Yeah. I thought that was not a great scene.
0: She has to find out what the temporal variance is of these chronoton particles. And this is what going down to the torpedo will reveal to her. I thought the torpedo was a great prop. Really fun bit of design.
1: Probably looked like your chest did. Not too long ago, huh? (laughs) Did you check your chest for uh, temporal nubbins?
0: Oh, man. I have had so many tweets about how I had shingles. And yes, I know I had (laughs) shingles.
1: How about that? Twitter diagnosis. Yeah. So there you go. Everyone on Twitter, just keep diagnosing people. I'm like Tarek from Flip or Flop, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly the example I was going to use.
0: I wouldn't have thought of it, but my wife suggested it.
1: <laughs> Terence from Flat Floppers <laughs> also had chest nubbins.
0: Shingles still doesn't care. And uh, so she she jumps again, and now she's like cat suit, long hair, Kes, saying like, "Hey, I got some great information for you, Doc Holliday. You're bald." Bald,
1: bald, bald. Mm-hmm.
0: We're not going to let that get in the way of the fact that I have some pretty important information. To share with you and uh, if you want to convene a McLaughlin group the rest of the crew is you
1: too. a McLaughlin group not as interesting as you would hope it would be when attended by a time traveler <laughs> who could tell everyone at the table all kinds of things about their lives no instead they decide to talk just about the Doc's big invention yeah and the chronoton particles that bombard her body and BLT comes up with an idea of uh, re-bombarding her body with anti chronotons. <laughs> this is the Star Trek solution to anything. If your body is being attacked by something, the anti-version of that is definitely what you need to inject.
0: Yeah, it's going to help a ton. They're going to, like, go do the work on this, and uh, meanwhile, Cass is going to give them all the tea that she has on the krenum. She's, she's learned enough to make a big difference if they ever should run across these folks.
1: I was straining against the episode's insistence that Kess's problem was the main problem and not the Krenim, <laughs> and this was one of those moments I was like, "Great, guys, like get to the part where your ship is attacked imminently
0: <laughs> I don't know if we got a amount of time on this jump because it may not be that imminent, right yeah, and like they've got her in the uh, bombardment machine, which looks suspiciously <laughs> like the Biotemporal chamber from earlier in the episode
1: I keep my bombardment machine In the guest room bathroom In a cabinet there behind some stuff
0: I've noticed that you have a Coin-op bombardment machine
1: (laughs) I don't want it to be Too easy to use all the time
0: (laughs) Uh, But she jumps again And she jumps to her first day On the ship And this, uh, you know You talk about opportunities to make First impressions she mm-hmm. is doing a bad job here.
1: I mean, Neelix, almost impervious to embarrassment, as long as we've known him, yeah. is actually flustered here during his job interview.
0: I also, I think they got like the same costume for Kess for this moment, but she just looks so different. And I was like really surprised at how, I mean, it must just be like a combination of the wig and mm-hmm. her face.
1: It really looked screen correct.
0: Yeah. So she's uh, she's like, hey, like I, I know Neelix is like giving you the hard sell on letting us stay aboard the ship, but I'm jumping around in time, and I have like way more important shit to tell you about Chronotons.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but she doesn't have time. She flashes again.
0: Yeah, now it's Teen Kess.
1: She's working at O'Cap and Claire's, <laughs> <laughs> trying to give somebody an ear piercing with that gun. <laughs> This is really a warning to precocious kids everywhere, right? Oh, because okay. if you are a precocious kid with an active imagination, while also traveling through time, you're the girl who cried time traveler to any adult you confide in. They're never going to believe you. You're totally fucked. What is this place? We don't have time to play our guessing game right now, Kes. And as soon as we realize this, we flash again to Kess's own birth. And she had human ears when she was born. I was like, is her mom Sharon Stone? <laughs> but it's not Sharon Stone. It's uh it's that actor from all those Christopher Guest movies. Oh, is it? She played Debbie Dangle in Reno nine one one. It's Rachel Harris.
0: Whoa. God damn, I didn't recognize her. That's wild. Yeah.
1: I had to look her up because she looks so familiar, but yeah, Rachel Harris.
0: Wow. She's doing like full pregnant lady scream the entire time So her
1: her face is hard to read there
0: We can name him after your father Tiberius, you kidding
1: me? No, that's the worst How many birthing moms do you think do the pull-up on the birthing bar (laughs) during? (laughs) I wonder
0: how much thought they gave to putting loaf on a baby
1: (laughs) I bet they think a lot about it They've done uh, spikes on Ensign Wildman's baby, right? Once you go spike, I think everything else is, is easy. And I think you use spiky baby as a as a way to convince the parents of subsequent babies that, yeah. that this is not going to be that bad for your baby. Your baby's going to be famous and not going to have to wear spikes. But like fetus
0: Kes has Ocampa ears, baby cast does not, and then teen Kes does.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is a lack of ear continuity here for sure.
0: And then, uh, so we see fetus casts, we see zygote casts, we see single cell casts, we see cum casts, and then it bounces.
1: Yeah, who knew we'd get to know her dad better than we knew him before? <laughs> yeah, at the Ocampo Mall. we're in her dad's sack for like a good five minutes.
0: Yeah, it's a very cummy like Act Three in this episode.
1: What's wild about this is that it's the scene out of the holodeck. Tiki bar in there. Yeah, it's what helps us understand what it's like. Like it's not (laughs) literally; it's sort of a figurative way to help us get it. Yeah, but
0: it's funny. It's you know, it's it's lighthearted and it's good. It's good times. You know, it's
1: like a "Look Who's Talking" situation. Right. Exactly. It's funny how time travel bounced here, right? Like we bounced all the way back to single cell, and now we're back out and moving forward again.
0: Sidechlong guy is there. Speaking
1: of bouncing.
0: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, so they have they have a little celebration for her uh welcome back to traveling through time the normal direction
1: if you think about it Worf got one of these i guess so yeah travel through time i think it's when you're on star trek and you travel through time you get a cake
0: it doesn't take a lot to convince Starfleet. It's like hey i've been on a time adventure could we throw <laughs> a party in my honor yeah I
1: know that none of you have any evidence to (laughs) feel bad for Kim in this scene because like no one is told about their future selves except for Kim and how fucked up it was that he had to like date marry and then have a child with Paris and Kess's daughter pretty wild (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) one of the greatest indignities visited (laughs) on any Star Trek Voyager character
1: you get out of here Kim (laughs) You
0: fucked up. I mean, you will fuck. I mean, the, the tenses are confusing, but you're...
1: There's still time for you not to fuck this up, but...
0: Yeah. Go think about that somewhere. <laughs> but they're like, uh, hey, anything you can tell us about the Krenim would be great.
1: Yeah, that's the only information that's volunteered. And so urgent is that knowledge that Kess leaves her own party to go write that paper.
0: That's the episode. Did you like Before and After?
1: Adam. You know, i to get most of the time. But I don't like I don't like and I don't like you. I mean, it was weird to do a time travel episode that just ignored the time paradox as a thing completely. Yeah. It could only ever work as an episode if it did. Like any suggestion that a paradox were possible, I think breaks the show. Totally. So taking that off the table. Makes it a really fun episode, and I like a high-concept time travel episode. Yeah. I always have. I was not satisfied, though, at the end with like the incuriosity about their futures. You can't tell me that there weren't people who were obsessed with the idea of knowing <laughs> about their futures. And I thought the depiction of a character having those feelings would be Welcome, you know? Yeah. I don't know who you make that person. <laughs> Sounds great. I mean, I could not resist asking and knowing. Even though it's totally changeable. Yeah. What if, about you?
0: Uh I really like the episode. Yeah. It's it's an interesting Kess centric app. Like I, I think that as time has gone on, I, I've been a little bit annoyed that they haven't explored the meaning of Kess's mental abilities more and Right. This episode, you know, makes brief mention of that and kind of bounces back off of it. And that kind of bothered me. But aside from that, like, I think it is a a very fun, like, thought experiment episode. And I thought uh, pretty well executed, given what a weird idea it is, you know.
1: I read a couple of reviews of this episode that mentioned it was, like, one of the most beloved episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Whoa. and. I don't quite agree with that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, interesting that this could be someone's favorite.
0: Well, Adam, do you want to see if you agree with any of
1: the Priority One messages in the inbox? All Priority One messages are my favorite. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental. Supplemental. Supplement.
0: Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship.
1: Then our first one is of a promotional nature. Oh, damn. The message goes like this. Are you a little bit embarrassed? You keep listening to back catalog episodes of TGG instead of focusing on the things you want to get done. (laughs) What my theory presupposes is maybe we can help? Rescue time has helped millions of people who work on computers, find focus, and achieve work-life balance. Our focus assistant can help make your work time feel more like being aboard the hood than working for Captain Jellicoe. And honestly, a lot of our new app was made while listening to episodes of this podcast.
0: (laughs) Wait, did they listen to our podcast while making their app, and now they wanted people to use their app to not listen to our
1: podcast? I don't like this. (laughs) I can definitely get with the idea of of needing help focusing. Oh, yeah. Rescue Time seems to be uh, a way to do that. You can find out more by going to rescuetime.com slash coupon slash scarves for 20% off a subscription. Rescue Time was made by Brian, who is an FOD, a longtime FOD, and the creator of Rescue Time. I might have to try this out. I've been more and more distracted during my edit days. They're taking longer and longer to do. Yeah. Much to the consternation of you and everyone else <laughs> in the business. Yeah. I need to be better at turning my edits, and maybe Rescue Time can do that. Give them a try. Rescuetime.com slash coupon scarves.
0: Yeah, we give you our full endorsement of using Rescue Time as long as it doesn't slow you down on listening to old episodes of The Greatest Generation. Right. Our next priority one message is from Daniel, and it's to Joanne, and it goes like this. Happy 10th anniversary, Penguin. You're my own personal Kira Norris, and I'll never stop being amazed that you're in my life. If you're hearing this, Dante hasn't repeated enough swear words to make us stop listening to Greatest Gen yet. Thanks, little guy. My love, let's play the world's longest, slowest, most expensive game of chess. P to E4. (laughs) <laughs> wow. So Daniel has uh, has fired the first volley, his his opening gambit in this chess game that is going to be played over priority 1 messages with Joanne if she takes him up on it uh, at the end of this uh, message. This this I can really get behind. This is the kind of P1 we live for, Adam. <laughs>
1: This is great. I mean, this is going to be a P1 that sustains the show, really. (laughs) Good stuff, Daniel. Yeah, excellent. Ben, our final priority one message is from VitaZed. It is to Rencast, and the message goes like this. Wanted to give a shout-out to Rencast, editor extraordinaire of the DeSoto Quantum Archive, a.k.a. the Greatest Gen Wiki. Wow. They've done an incredible job documenting the teeming mass of inside jokes and bits that have accumulated over the years, and I just wanted to say it's appreciated. Hell yeah. P.S. requesting a dealer's choice selection of your rarest drops. Wow. Why he's there? The reasons are nil. Because for some reason, Jake Sisko. It's me, Jake! I like this idea. Yeah. Lieutenant George Priman, Starfleet Security. we do have some extremely rare drops. Drops that we made for one episode only something about it. it reminds me of being in the womb What up harry who are you harry kim parents must be very proud who are you they come as come as a pair
0: who are you and and harry baby. kim
1: who else is she supposed to get chummy with harry kim and your mom very proud who are you harry kim chummy chummy, chummy. and your mom very proud harry kim who are you harry kim
0: Uh, shout out to Rencast for uh, maintaining the wiki, a resource that uh, i not embarrassed to say, Adam, uh, I don't know if this is true for you, but I have definitely uh, used the wiki to remind myself of why we say something on the show, once or twice. Agreed.
1: Yeah, yeah, we've come to depend on it. So thanks for all of your hard work in making that possible.
0: Yeah, greatestgen.fandom.com, we think, is the uh, is the URL for that.
1: Wow. Well, well, not everyone can make a wiki about the greatest generation, but anyone can buy a Priority One message.
0: That's true. Head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron if you're curious about doing so. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda?
1: Shimoda. I don't know what it was about this episode, but the parade of background actors <laughs> was enormous. Yeah. So many background actors here, and it's a great episode for those extras. The Shimodas, for me, though, are going to be a couple of instances of extra failure. <laughs> A <laughs> uh, couple of time code examples of this to call to your attention. I'm sure there's more, but I'm going to call your attention to two. Uh, at 1441, there's two extras crossing in front of the camera, in between the camera and our actors. And the second one, walking past, just has a big old smile. Just like the biggest, toothiest smile. I mean, the number one rule of background acting is do not distract. Yeah. And I was distracted by this. First, do no harm, I think is the... Uh... yeah. I like that. I definitely noted it and I was like, well, I wonder. It's early in the episode. I wonder if there's going to be more of this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there is. <laughs> At 3414, it's the battlefield hospital scene in the mess hall right and at the very end of the scene we just hang in this moment as a guy wobbles through the door (laughs) and he's like holding something to his eye they give wobbly guy a good five minutes (laughs) to present his affliction to us they almost spend
0: as much time with wobbly guy as they did with Kess's dad's nutsack
1: so i think my shimoda for this episode is just a group shimoda for all of the extras
0: you made such a compelling case there, Adam. I'm going to join you on extras square. Here. Wow! Uh, they, uh, they will be my drunk Shimodas for this episode as well. An episode that did not seem like it was going to be as full of uh, background characters as this one was, and yet
1: there they are. Just a great population of actors in this episode. A noticeable difference. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Oh, wait. Wait. Do it. Well, Adam, uh, let me tell you a
0: little bit about our next episode of Star Trek Discovery. Why don't you do gach.biz slash game and get those dice ready? Well, I tell you about season three, episode 22, Real Life. The doctor decides he should create a holographic family in order to expand himself. When Bolana is disgusted by its unrealistic perfectionism, She alters the program to include random events and outcomes with interesting and devastating results.
1: Boy, we really seem to be as a show in that part of the season where we're just exploring the hollow or the fake or the alternate timeline. (laughs) I thought we'd be getting back to like a mission, a conventional mission. It doesn't sound like that. No. Gonna save that for the season finale, I guess. I guess so. Well, Ben, I'm over at the Game of Buttholes, The Will of the Caretaker, checking out where our runabout is at this moment in time.
0: You're required to learn as you
1: play. Roll. Looks like it is on square 30, four squares ahead. We've got Janeway riding her own runabout. The Janeway square would take us up to a very high row in the game of buttholes. I don't. I don't think there's any chance I hit that square. I'm just going to say it right now. <laughs> I'm going to roll the die. Ben, I've rolled a six, and what I didn't tell you. Yeah. Was that two squares past the Janeway square was Neelix's galley.
0: Oh
1: my God. Which means. The next episode, we get to enjoy a bottle of Telaxian champagne.
0: Now, this is interesting because you have a tiki makeup episode that you still need to do.
1: Right, but there are no tiki drinks made with champagne.
0: I said cocoa, yes, yes. And you said cocoa, no, no.
1: <laughs> I said cocoa
0: later. And uh, and now now you're going to precede that. With a Talaxian champagne
1: episode. Are you suggesting that I shouldn't do this and I should do Coco No-No instead?
0: No, I think you should. And I think you yeah. should probably, whatever you whatever we roll the next week, follow up with a Tiki episode. Because that'll be the final week of the Max Fun Drive. And, uh, you know, you got to step your game up at, t- at a time like this.
1: I had not considered until this moment that, yeah, we're doing a, a Max Fun Drive episode... And it will also be a Neelix's Galley episode. Yeah. Good timing.
0: Well, uh, in the meantime, we are really looking forward to this year's Max Fun Drive, and we hope you are, too. Get, get your pocketbooks ready. we got to thank a lot of people. we got to thank Wendy Pretty for being the producer of this program. we got to thank Adam Ragusea for making all the original music based on the work of Dark Materia. Go check out Adam Ragusia. He's on uh, YouTube. He's on the podcasts. He's doing great stuff. Just search his name.
1: I mean, hard to avoid Adam Ragusia on YouTube. I, I don't even have to search for him.
0: Yeah. And there he is. He's right there. We got to thank Bill Tilly, the card daddy who runs the social media sites for us. At Greatest Trek is what you follow on Insta and Twitter. Hey, retweet one of our little uh, audiograms if you see it pop up in your feed.
1: Helps us find new listeners. If you're listening to this episode the week it comes out, we're going to be in Atlanta at our second-to-last tour stop. Yeah. I really want you to come out and see us. Having a blast out on tour so far. And Atlanta is one of our favorite places, so hope to see you there on April 21st. If
0: it isn't sold out already, greatestgentour.com is where you go to get tickets. Yeah. Uh, I would hurry right there right now if you're interested. Yeah.
1: yeah, who knows when we'll go on tour again? They get canceled so often. <laughs> really appreciating this one while it lasts. With that, we will be back at you
0: next time with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager that really pisses Jesse Thorne off because it's so perfect, and he wants Mm. to come in and kind of put random things to make it not seem so perfect.
1: We should record that episode right into the phone line. (laughs) Like record it into momentous occasions.
0: Just call call 206-9844-FUN and leave a message for Brian (laughs) Fernandez.
1: Yeah, a message that's almost 90 minutes long. (laughs) I like it.